0: Thank you, thank you. A word of thanks not only to them, but also to to Corey and Renee for, and, our, and Dorothy Terry for blessing us with our uh, Lord's Acre uh, presentations. Also, a word of thanks to our altar guild. Every Thanksgiving... Uh, We are so blessed by them and the way that they lead us and and beautify our worship uh, service. Patricia Stanfield's rolling off this year as our leader of Altar Guild, so I say a special word of thanks to her, and then to Ben for last week. Such a wonderful and Christ-centered sermon, so uh, thank you, Ben, for that. If you keep your Bibles open, we're going to be in John 6. I want to go down to the latter part of that passage, but we'll start first in John 6, 1 through 11, there's some things that catch John's eye that I want to make sure that we don't pass up, especially during this week where we recognize God's providence in in the origin of our country and we give thanks to him for his continued hand upon us. There's something that catches John's eye here and even later that I want to make sure we don't miss. I was appointed to Christ Methodist Church I think in 2001, as the pastor over college ministry, young adult ministries. And John Case was retiring at that point. And so, right after I got there, he retired. And then he brought in a new pastor a month later, Cliff Wright. Um, I will say to you, things did not begin well with Cliff because as soon as he got there, he bought this brand new Jeep that I don't, I'm colorblind. I could see this car. It was like a canary yellow or incredibly bright yellow, but it wasn't the color that was the problem. The problem is he kept going to Hooters every day for lunch. And so here we are as a staff saying, how who I'm I'm a rookie. I'm brand new. I'm not saying it. Rachel, you say it. No, you say it. We were who how are we gonna approach this pastor of this wonderful church? And he's a wonderful man of God. But you can't be going to hooters every day if you're the pastor of Christ United Methodist Church. I think finally, we, somebody drew a short straw uh, straw, and they either said something to him, or maybe they went. You know how church people can do. They probably drove by and checked the license plate, you know, and checked him. It wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't his car. But you couldn't help but notice that loud color. And when you dro- we'd go downtown to eat lunch, a lot of staff, and there would be that bright, shining car. Could that be him? It definitely caught your eye. Something catches John's eye. He's going to bring it up twice, just in this one chapter. What's that word? What's that thing? Now, before we get to there, I want us to back up. And if you go to chapter 1, just the names or titles that John ascribes and others ascribe to Jesus. You know that John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was not only with God, he was God. And not only does John say in that chapter 1 that he's God, and he's the word, but it also says he's the son of God, he's true light, that he's the creator over all things, he is the Christ, he's the lamb of God, the son of God, the son of man, and the king of Israel, and that's just chapter 1. And you keep following along in John, and you finally get to chapter 6, and we finally get this statement, a beautiful statement, that Jesus Christ, and he gives it to himself, I am the bread of life. They have... They have trouble with this. If you go down to verse 41, they begin to grumble about it. This, this is Joseph and Mary's kid. What's he talking about? The bread, uh, the bread of life. The bread sent from heaven. We, 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 we wrap our hands around, yes, John 14, he is, he's with us. But, but what they couldn't miss is the one who was with us was the very word of God. The Lamb of God. The second person of the Holy Trinity. This is the bread of God. Life, God himself in our midst, enfleshed. I've shared this with you before, but I love what Donald McCullough says in his book, The Trivialization of God. What a shame it would be to know Shakespeare, but not as a, as a man of literature. What a shame it would be to know Newton, but not as a man of science. But what an eternal tragedy to know Christ as friend and prophet and miracle worker and teacher, but not as God and Savior. Uh, Jesus is revealing something here about himself. I am God who has been made flesh. And we get down to verse 69. That's what Peter says back to him. We know. We believe and we know that you are the one who has life. We'll come back to that in a minute. But what is it that the Son of God does? The one who created all things. The one who was in the beginning and is God, what is it that he does? He gives thanks to his father. Now, if, if, if he was a, a, a father in that day who would lead what we call grace or would lead the prayer, would lead a prayer at the very beginning of the meal, but then also he would say a prayer at the end of the meal. And some of us will be there this week. Some of you will do that, right? Some of you have that Aunt Alberta who will bring that mystery dish. You'll pray before the meal, during the meal, and after the meal, hoping you get through it. But that, that, was, that was common in that day. You would pray before receiving a meal, and he's about to do this miraculous feeding. But you would also pray following the meal. Here's what you would pray if you use this standard prayer. and It almost sounds like King James. Some people believe jesus that's the Bible Jesus read, King James. Blessed art thou king of the universe who bringing forth or who brings forth bread from the earth this is the bread of heaven saying god you're the king and you bring bread from the earth now remember all that's been said in chapter 1 he, he is son of god he's from the beginning and he is the king of israel and what does he say father you're king And I give you thanks. We talked two years ago when we looked at John 11 on this Sunday. That that word thanks in the Hebrew understanding meant you were beholden to. That you were radically dependent upon. And so here you have the second person of the Trinity. Is God. Was in the beginning. And he's saying, Father, I thank you. Now listen, if there was ever a place to shine, he is the bread of life. And here's this moment where he's going to break bread. You only get seven miracles, we call them signs, you only get seven signs in all of John's gospel. And and two of them are actually in this chapter. And so here's this opportunity to, and we can be there, to shine through what we do. You guys remember Moses and that that bread that had to come from heaven for you, I'm going to do it for you. Watch me. Look at me. And you don't get that. Instead, he says, I give thanks to you. Before he does anything, he gives thanks to God. And then you get to the second miracle, walking on water later in chapter 6. Go back and read that. Listen, this, this miracle, we don't get the fullness of this miracle. Walking on water is a big deal. But these, and so many of these were fishermen, they knew water well, but they were terrified of water. As a Jew at that time, you didn't want to die in water because if you died and you sank, your bones would be separated and you had this mythology or this weird thought that you wouldn't be able to be put back together in the resurrection. That sea, that water represented their fears, but it not only represented their fears, if you read the Old Testament, Leviathan was in the waters. Not only that, those other gods who were bound by creation, they were bound by tides. They were bound by the moon. They were bound by whatever happens with rain and creation. And Jesus walks on their fears and he walks on their gods. I am over all those things. And guess what he does right after that miracle the next day? John recounts, Remember Jesus who gave thanks. It so caught the eye of John, and he's going to bring it up later in John 11. Think about that, an opportunity to shine. The very last miracle mentioned in the Gospel of John, the last sign, here's my chance to shine. I'm going to raise someone. This is the only resurrection in John's Gospel. I'm going to raise somebody from the dead. You ready? Watch me. No. I give thanks to you, my Father, because you always listen to me. Dependent upon the Father, fully God and yet deferring. Fully God and yet recognizing that he is the sent one from God. A beautiful picture of the heart of God. We've been reading in our Bible reading plan this week about Asa, the king. Who, when he was outnumbered, relied on God to show up and God did and won the battle. But later, we find out he does some political maneuver, maneuvering, and the Hebrew says he quit relying on God and he relied on his treaties, and God disciplined him for it. And then later, when he had a foot disease, he didn't rely on God for that. He relied on doctors. Listen, if you get a bad foot disease, call your doctor. I don't want to lay hands on those, okay? He didn't rely on God. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And yet he defers to and leans on the King of the universe. We can't miss that here, especially in this season. How is it with your thanks? Jesus Christ relying on his Father, giving his life and trusting his Father even with his resurrection later. It's a beautiful picture of the life of Jesus. How is it that your life, especially in this season, How is your gratitude in this anxious and difficult season? Jesus is calling it out before it even happens. I thank you for what you're going to do. How is it that you and I are not only grateful, but really in a season where we might scramble to take care of things ourselves? how is it you and I are depending on God, banking on God for everything? But then this last word, and you have to drop down uh, to the bottom of chapter 6, and I'll let you read that. But he gives a sermon. He doesn't do this in the other Gospels. Here he gives this sermon after chapter 6, and really what he says, and I understand why they can't get it. They understand he's speaking figuratively, and maybe they're worried that he's putting himself above Moses. But he says something there that shakes the people so much that we get one of the, one of the. it may be the worst verse in all of Scripture. Chapter 6, verse 66. That works out, doesn't it? 666 says this a lot of them turned their back on Jesus and left him after what he says right here, after he feeds the 5,000. And and actually, I think the next verse, verse 67, may be the saddest verse, one of the saddest verses, sadder verses in all of Scripture. When Jesus looks to his disciples after all these hundreds have left him, and he says, what about you guys? Y'all packing up too? What is it that he says? Not only does the son of god the king of all kings give thanks but what does he say here in verse 53 it's why our students could sing for us this morning what john 3 has said but john 6:53 shows how deep it is this is the love of god i'm the bread of life i'm the bread of life who bleeds this is the first of the I am statements. I know Corey's taken our students through the I am statements in John recently. This is the first one. And here it is. I'm the bread who's gonna be torn apart. I'm the bread who will bleed for you. This is in the middle. And you can't miss this imagery too. When is this? This is Passover. This is when they were about to celebrate, remembering back to the Exodus when Lambs would be killed so that their blood might cover the door or or really cover their sin. Cover the people of God so that death would pass over them. There are three Passover accounts and you know when Jesus dies. He says, I'm the bread of life who will be torn apart and bleed here. When does he die? He dies at Passover. That it will be my blood that will have to cover you. How he loves us, oh. Peter will say a few verses later in verse 69 again, we know this, we believe this. That's my prayer this morning, that you would know and believe it. But it's also my prayer for us that already know that to rest in that. I was blessed this week to receive an email from somebody in our church, Hebrews 10, which recounts uh, uh, Jesus' gift to us in his body and in his blood, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 With pure water. Rest in that. In this hard season, the one who was the bread of life said it before it happens. He knows that's why he's entered this world, to give himself for us. And the author of Hebrews, whoever he was, says, rest in that. But then there's this reminder from the book of Hebrews. Because of that, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess, for he who promised is faithful. And consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Be encouraged this morning over how loved you are that the king of all kings. And by the way, that's how John describes Jesus, even in Revelation. uh, Twice. But 29 times, John says... He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God for all eternity. This Lamb of God, the King of all kings, yes, but he gave all for you. Be encouraged in that, but also church, how is it because of that great gift, you and I can invest in others, bless others, encourage others, pray for others. We have been fed with the food that's not filled our bellies, but we have been fed with a a food that has saved our very souls. Rest in that. But because of that gift, go now and be the body of Christ for others. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this word, this word of your sent Son, who gave thanks. We are tempted to, to shine, We're tempted to do things on our own. We're tempted to try to make people to look at us and to see Jesus humble himself, to see Jesus with a grateful heart. We give you praise for that. And we pray that his life would be our life. May we be a grateful people. May we be a people who want Jesus to shine in and through our lives. Father, we also, we praise you for the sent son who gave himself as Lamb of God, as 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 the bread of life for us. I pray for anyone here or watching online who does not know that great truth and reality that we would, we would receive that forgiving grace that comes through his spilt blood, that comes through his atoning death on the cross. But I also pray we would just be encouraged in such an anxious season. Encourage us again with your great love for us. And Father, because of that great love, help us then to be the body of Christ that shares the love and light of Christ with others. It is in his name that we pray this prayer. Amen.